Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are on a mission to make a difference in the lives of others. We want to help people know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. It's a journey, and we're all walking it together. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. Thanks for those of you who are joining us online. I'm really glad that you're with us. It's great to hear the Word of God over the internet, but if you ever have a chance to be with us here in person, I highly encourage you to do so. And for those of you who don't know me, my name's Cade. I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. And here at No Limits, we're on a mission to make a difference by helping you know God, find freedom, and discover purpose. We're going to dive into part 11 of this series today about following Jesus because really, This is the best way that we can know God, right? It's to learn how to follow Jesus. I'll show you what I mean in our core scripture for this series, because Jesus told us, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. So what we learn is that God is revealed through Jesus. If we want to know God, then we got to get to know Jesus. And if you want to get to know Jesus, then you hop into the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're going to learn all about Jesus in those four books of the Bible. And through this series, we're working through the book of John and observing the way of Jesus. And what we're finding out is that Jesus is quite different. Go ahead and look at somebody next to you and say, I always knew Cade was different. People have known that about me all my life. I've always been the different one. All right, so I had to pull out the fire emojis on my slide today, Ah, because last week was on fire. (laughs) The fire of God showed up last week to cleanse and to purify his church, and really it was the most powerful message that I've ever delivered. And there was kind of like a three-day buildup in my spirit leading up to that message, and by the time I stepped on stage last week, it was like the word of God could just explode out of me, and it kind of did, and it was pretty awesome. To top it all off, when I got home after church last Sunday, I had the most unusual email in my inbox. Y'all, I can't make this stuff up. This is really a sign and a wonder, and I took a screenshot of it to show you. At 11.04 a.m. last Sunday, which was shortly after worship started, the fire of God truly did enter the room, and I could sense it because for, for no reason at all, I just started bawling during worship. I was crying, and that's usually how I respond to the presence of God. But apparently the thermostat could sense it too because it recorded a temperature of 102 degrees in this room. 102, it wasn't physically that hot in the room, but it was blazing in the spiritual realm, and somehow the thermostat picked up on it. Super awesome. As with all signs and wonders, we always try to find our way out of them, so I was telling somebody about it, and it's like, hey, I hate to break it to you, but somebody accidentally put the sensor to the thermostat on the windowsill last week, and they're like, ah, sorry, Cade, but get this, we have two thermostats in this building. We have one in here and one in the kids' room, and the thermostat that's connected to the lobby is this one. But guess what? I didn't get one email. I got two emails that were exactly the same. Unusually high temperature detected, 102 degrees. Isn't that incredible? Spirit of the Lord. So awesome. This is only a warm-up for what's to come, so I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are expecting God to move in mighty ways. I hope you're expecting healing. I hope you're expecting signs and wonders, because this outpouring of God is going to be wild. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And so last week, we learned how to discern truth from lies. And since we're living in the age of great deception, it's something that we all need to understand. And it's actually really simple. We want to make it complicated, but it's so simple. To discern truth from lies, pursue God's will above all else. In John chapter 7, Jesus teaches us that when we're pursuing God's will, 
we know if what we hear is truth or lies. If we put God first and we look to his word first, we will not get caught up in the deception. Isn't that good news? It's good news. This is why I only listen to people who are pursuing God. Like, I don't care how expert they are, how educated they are, how popular they are. If they're not publicly elevating God above themselves, I don't really care what they have to say because what comes out of their mouth is going to be more lies than it is truth. I'm sure there's some truth in there, but I don't got time to weed through all that. You know, most of our government and our media is full of people who elevate themselves above God, right? They've convinced us that we should listen to them because they're expert or because they're educated, or because they're popular, because they're experienced. But notice that all those things have to do with what? Elevating who? Self. Self. Elevating self. They're not elevating God at all. So our country is actually being led right now by the spiritually blind, because they're so consumed with elevating self. We can all get caught in that trap, can't we? And you know when you're deceived, you don't know it? That's why it's deception. You're like, Cade, come on, I would know if I was deceived. Well, if you want to guard yourself from deception, you got to ignore all those people that I just mentioned, all the people that are elevating themselves, and you got to get to God's word, and you got to look to him for truth. And this often leads into the argument, well, Cade, you know, we're not supposed to judge people. How can you judge all these popular people and our government people? And Jesus, I, Jesus addressed this for us last week. Like he never told us not to judge anyone anytime for any reason. You remember that? He just told us to judge ourselves first so that we can see clearly to judge the things around us. We're to judge with righteous judgment so we don't sit back while our government passes laws that promote sin and suppress righteousness. We get involved. We speak the truth with love. We invade government and education and business and entertainment with the kingdom of God. We take it to them. Here is the kingdom of God. We show up as the army of God and destroy evil. There's an army rising up, right? For real this time. (laughs) For real. Talking about these things can feel a little bit uncomfortable, but that's really what the fire of God feels like. It's not exactly a fun experience. But it's worth the experience because the end result is freedom. It's truth. And I left last week so relieved, so free. Y'all, it was like I had a spiritual baby. That's seriously what it felt like. I was like, wow. Something like broke in the spirit last week. It was like it was a catalyst service. And I look forward to seeing the results of it. And after all this talk about righteous judgment in John chapter 7, Jesus uses a real life example in the very next, next chapter to illustrate what he just talked about. What is righteous judgment? What does it look like? He wants to make sure that we get this. And this is a story that you've probably heard before, but I hope you see it in a new way today. This is The story starts with Jesus going to the temple early one morning, and as per usual, people show up, and he teaches the people that show up, right? Because he's Jesus. He took the opportunity. And then right there, in the middle of their church service, the Pharisees do something crazy, totally unthinkable. They bring in a woman who they had caught in the act of adultery. Heard this story before? In other words, they walked in on her being intimate with somebody other than her husband. They dragged her out and then they went and dumped her right there before Jesus in front of all of these people. And then they said, hey, Jesus, the law of Moses said that you're supposed to stone her to death for her sin. What do you say? What do you say, Jesus? They were using this woman to try to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him. Do you all remember how this same technique was used to get you all to say something stupid about racism last year? Same technique. 
If you said the wrong thing, you were racist. If you didn't say anything at all, you were racist. Well, I wish I would have visited this story back then because Jesus shows us how to handle this kind of situation. What did Jesus do when he was asked this tough question? He stooped down and he began to write in the dirt. He didn't give in to the pressure to respond immediately. He didn't start yelling at him. He didn't run off in intimidation. No, he disengaged for a minute to gather his thoughts and to come up with the right response. How many of you found out that when you're upset, if you take time to write out your thoughts first, you usually have a better response afterwards? The problem is we just write out those initial thoughts on Facebook now and post it for all to see. That's supposed to happen privately in your journal or something. So while Jesus was writing on the ground, they just kept badgering him and badgering him for a response. And even so, he didn't respond until he was ready. And when he was ready, here's what he said. He is... he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. Boom. That is genius. I mean, Jesus was always so sly. He was so wise. I mean, it's good stuff. He could disarm a tense discussion in no time by literally saying something that just stunned you. Oh, what? This reveals something about Jesus, following Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must respond slowly. Don't respond with the first thing that comes to mind. Don't respond when you're pressured to respond. Instead, take time. Write down your thoughts and ask God to help you come up with the right response. Jesus, give me one of those boom responses like Jesus, right? This must be what James was talking about in James 1.19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And that's exactly what Jesus did He was quick to listen, but he was slow in his response. And I'm sure he could have got upset. He could have got mad because they brought that woman, interrupted his church service, and embarrassed this woman. He could have got really upset, but he took his time. He delivered the most amazing response. Whoever was without sin, go ahead. You throw that first stone. So what happened? The room got silent, and everyone walked away one after the other. And finally, it was just Jesus and this woman left in the room. And now she's one-on-one with the only one who's without sin in the room. What did he do? He could have thrown a stone at her. He could have. He had the rightful. He could have done that. But that's not what he did. Instead, here's what he says. I don't condemn you either. Your sin, it's really not a big deal. I know you're only human, so just try not to do it anymore. Not Jesus. It sounds really silly when you read this out loud, yet this is how so many Christians interpret this story. They think, well, Jesus didn't stone the woman caught in adultery, and my sin's not as bad as hers, so surely it's not a big deal. What a destructive way of thinking. Why are we so obsessed with trying to bend Scripture to make sin okay? Why? Shouldn't we instead be searching the scripture for how to find freedom from sin and how to help others find freedom from sin? So let's look at what Jesus actually said to this woman. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Thankfully, Jesus does not condemn us for our sin. That's good news if I've ever heard it. But he also doesn't give us an excuse to sin. He says, sin no more. He didn't say, do your best not to sin. He didn't say, stay away from the big sins or don't worry about it. Every now and then it's okay. No, that's not what he said at all. Jesus said, sin no more. 
Be done with it. Get away from it. Be free from the bondage of sin. Why? Because Jesus gave you the power to be free from sin. It's really like a two-edged sword, right? Jesus comes in with his sword and he cuts off the condemnation. And then he brings that sword back around and he cuts off the sin to be done with. He gets rid of the condemnation and he gets rid of the sin. So don't accept the counterfeit. The counterfeit says, get rid of the condemnation so you're free to sin if you want to. And it's not a big deal. That's the counterfeit. That's the lie. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus freed you from condemnation, and then he freed you from sin. Amen? Who wants that? Who wants the full picture? And this reveals something else about following Jesus. To follow Jesus, I must help others find freedom from sin. I don't condemn them. I don't fuss at them. I don't reject them. I also don't lie to them. I don't advocate for their sin. I don't tell them it's no big deal. Instead, I speak the truth in love. I lead them to Jesus, and I have the hard conversations while trusting God that my words, even if they're hard to hear, will lead them into freedom. And in case you're having a hard time wondering, is this really the right approach? Like, does Jesus really want me to help people get out of sin? Well, Jesus makes it really clear in the very next verse when he says, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Man, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to walk in darkness. And at this point, of course, the Pharisees pipe up, right? Cue Pharisees. It's quite predictable. Now they will always have a rebuttal to what Jesus is teaching. It's nothing new this time. They simply try to get, G- get people to believe that Jesus is not the Son of God. That was their agenda. We can't have people believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And I, I really feel sorry for these guys at this point. They've seen Jesus do miracles. They've heard his amazing teaching. They were there with Jesus in the flesh, and yet they still could not believe in him. And I think Jesus had had enough at this point because He's about to say something that the soft and permissive American church is really going to have a hard time with. Like, he tried to be nice. He's, like, sharing these stories. He's teaching them. and They're not getting it. So, all right, let me lay it out there, plain and clear. See if you all can get this. And here's what he said. I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. That's the plain truth, my friends. If you choose not to believe in Jesus, you will die in your sins. But if you choose to believe in Jesus, you will be free from your sins and you will receive eternal life. And when Jesus delivered this plain truth to the Pharisees, they were quite stunned. What? You know what their response was? Who are you? Seriously, that's all they could come up with. Who are you? And they'd asked him like a hundred times, who are you? And Jesus answered this question again, and he told them, I am the Son of God. I was sent here by my Father to do the things that please him for the hundredth time. Can you all hear me? At this point, I'm starting to wonder, why does Jesus spend so much time arguing with the Pharisees? I mean, these are like the longest passages of Scripture in John. I mean, the paragraphs after paragraphs of him trying to explain to the Pharisees about this stuff. Why? Why does he keep doing that? Remember, he even just came out and said it. You're going to die in your sins. If you, if you don't believe in me, you're going to die. So why does Jesus keep arguing with him? Well, here's why. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Not the Pharisees, but the people who were around listening. Jesus wasn't arguing with the Pharisees to convince them. He was doing it for the people who were around, listening in on the conversation. You know, I had my fair share of arguments last year on Facebook. We all did, yeah. I've never been one to follow the crowd. 
I prefer to be patient, like observe the crowd and learn from their mistakes. This gets you in trouble with the crowd, though. I didn't buy into the hype of the pandemic. I didn't buy into the hype that everybody's racist. It's not that I think there's no virus or that there's not racial problems that need to be solved. I just take time to hear from God, gather my thoughts, and instead of doing what everybody else is doing. And it turns out this makes me quite unpopular on social media. Darn it. Because every time I'd post something contrary to the mainstream school of thought, there were plenty of people who would show up for a comment fight. Many of these threads I did not steward well. (laughs) I found myself trying to defend my own reputation rather than defending the truth. If I'm honest. And that's when it went south. (laughs) Woo, real fast. And the emotional trauma of trying to fight for my reputation, for protecting my reputation, became too much to handle. And so I finally became silent. And I needed to go silent because I had to learn how to defend the truth without my reputation getting in the way. And in my silence, the Holy Spirit was leading me not to stay silent, but to learn to share the truth without concern of what people would think of me as a person. And this is a challenging thing to do, because just like you guys, I want people to like me. I do. And on top of this, the arguments, they never got anywhere. (laughs) I never convinced them, no matter how clever my response was, The person I was arguing with never changed their mind. Not that I know of, anyway. It was just back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And when you look at the outcome, you think, you know, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. Maybe I just shouldn't say anything. But what if Jesus would have backed down from the Pharisees? What would have happened to all the people who were listening? With all the arguments between Jesus and the Pharisees, Jesus never convinced the Pharisees. Never convinced them, but there were always people listening, and they believed because of what they heard. So when you defend the truth on Facebook or at work or like anywhere else, the person you argue with may never be convinced. But I don't know how many people came and read that entire thread of 406 comments between you and that other person, and they were convinced of the truth because you took a stand for the truth. So from Jesus arguing with the Pharisees over and over again, here's what we can learn. To follow Jesus, I must keep on speaking the truth. Keep on, keep on. And about a year ago, when all things COVID were hitting the fan, the Holy Spirit revealed something to me, and I didn't like it. So I didn't share it with anybody, except for Beth and a few people. You know, I was listening just like you guys were, and they were saying, you know, 2.2 million people are going to die of COVID in the United States. Anybody remember that, that prediction? And so that's why we shut down our businesses, and we kept away from our families, and we stopped going to church and started wearing a mask. And when I heard this prediction, I was thinking, wow, this is serious. And it was like almost immediately the Holy Spirit revealed something on the inside of me, and he said, more people will be harmed by the vaccine than the virus. This was before a vaccine was even in the works yet. Like it wasn't the top of the discussion or anything like that. So that's another reason I kept quiet, because people would thought I was crazy. Like we ain't even talking about a vaccine yet. Again, trying to protect my reputation, right? Don't want people to think I'm crazy. But here we are today, and people are running to the vaccine like it's their savior. An injection produced in record time 
we don't even know the risks and the side effects involved in this thing. And yet people put more trust in it than they do the word of God. And it's scary and it's troubling to me because I care about people. So now we have a virus that's so deadly, most people don't even know they have it. And a vaccine so safe that you have to be threatened and pressured to take it. Anybody else smell something fishy? I don't follow the crowd anyway. I'm definitely not following the crowd on this one. I'm watching and I'm, I'm going to observe the outcome. And I'm going to be here to heal those who get hurt by the vaccine. Separate yourselves from everybody who's promoting the vaccine. Stop listening to them because you've heard them enough. You've heard everything that they have to say and get alone with God because I'm not going to make this decision for you. I'm not telling you to get vaccinated, not get vaccinated. That's not why I'm here today. I'm telling you to get with God because he will show you what the decision is that you're supposed to make. Just don't give in to the pressure. Don't give in to the shaming. Don't make a decision because everybody else is doing it or because you're afraid of what other people are going to think about you if you don't do it. Those are very bad reasons to make a decision. Get with God and listen to his instruction. You got to learn to discern truth for yourself. Jesus already told us how to do that. You pursue God, right? You pursue God, you run after God. And he even says it another way. So we're sure to get, so we're sure to get it. In Matthew 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Abide in his word, love his word. Instead of reading news articles, read his word. Instead of listening to people who don't elevate God, listen to people who elevate God. When you seek God first above all else, above your pastor, Yes, above me, above what you read on social media, above what you hear on the news, above Dr. Fauci, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But you have to seek God above all else. It's the only way. Abide in his word. And interestingly, Jesus was saying this scripture right here to a group of people who already believed in him. They already believed. And this is what he was telling. And you think they'd receive that with great gladness. Ah, Jesus, thank you for the instruction. But that's not what they did. They actually argued with it. You know what they said? We're not in bondage. How could you say that we need to be made free? So many Christians in the same predicament, right? They don't even realize they need freedom because they're so caught up in themselves. They think because they're part of the woke crowd that they found freedom. We all need freedom. We want this to be more complicated than it is. We want some like sophisticated solution, but there is only one solution. Abide in his word. Love his word. Spend time in his word. Follow his word. Jesus tells us this over and over and over again. I've told you this over and over again. The word of God is truth. It's the only way you can discern truth from lies. It's the only way to truly know God. And that's why Jesus says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. In other words, you... You can't just read his word and hear his word. You have to do his word. That's something we can all see. I don't know how much you're reading or hearing the word, but I can tell if you're doing it. I can see it. And after Jesus was done explaining this to everyone, they weren't real excited about his message. Actually, they picked up stones to throw at him, like they were ready to kill him. And maybe you feel the same way about me right now. If you had something to throw at me, you would. And there's pins in the back of your seat, so. I'm not here to tickle your ears to make you happy. 
I like to make you happy, but that's not why I'm here. My assignment as your pastor is to lead you into all truth, the truth of the word of God. I'm not here to, I'm here to protect you from the enemy's attempts to steal, kill, and destroy, to deceive you. That's why I'm here. And I care about you too much to hide the truth, even when the truth hurts and even when you don't want to hear it. So back to the story of Jesus, even after days and days of sharing the truth and trying to convince these people, they still weren't getting it. Man, a bunch of hard-headed people, right? The deception was so thick, they couldn't see the truth. And it was standing right in front of them. He was standing right in front of them, and they couldn't see it. But Jesus didn't give up on them. He taught them first. And now he's about to use a miracle to demonstrate everything that he had just taught. Man, this is so awesome. Walking down the street, Jesus saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents causing him to be born blind. What a ridiculous question. Who sinned? This man or his parents causing him to be born blind. Y'all, this man was born blind. He's born blind. And they're asking if this man caused his own blindness. Y'all, he didn't even have a chance to sin. He was born blind, right? I mean, what kind of question is this? I guess it could have been his parents' fault, but look at what Jesus says. He says, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. How many of you, when you get sick, you start wondering what you did to deserve the sickness? I must have done something wrong. God's punishing me. How many of you have thought that, honestly? Anybody? Okay. Stop that nonsense. Stop it. The enemy loves to use that to keep you from getting healed. When it comes to sin, all you got to do is turn away from it, receive forgiveness, and guess what? It's like it never happened. Never. They don't even remember it. It's gone. Even if you smoked all your life and you ended up with lung cancer... All you got to do is repent, receive forgiveness, and receive your healing. Even if you caused it, even if you did it to yourself, Jesus still wants to heal you. He does. You just have to believe. And that was a little side road, but somebody needed to hear it. Now back to the story. Jesus comes up on this man who'd been blind from birth. Not his fault, not his parents' fault, but let's see what God can do. Jesus spits in the dirt. He makes some mud. He takes that mud and he anoints the blind man's eyes and goes and tells him to go wash it off. And keep in mind, this man had no idea who Jesus was. So as far as he was concerned, this was some strange man rubbing spit mud on his eyes. And as strange as it is, this man was obedient. He goes off, he goes and he washes off the mud and he comes back seeing. He hadn't seen his whole life and now he had perfect vision. And when I was studying for this message, the Holy Spirit opened my spiritual eyes to understand the significance of this miracle for the first time. And it's so beautiful. Once again, I was crying. You guys think I'm going to be, I'm a big ball bag now. I just tell you how much I'm crying all the time. But the blind man represents all the people that he had been sharing truth with, but they couldn't see because they were spiritually blind. And the mud represents the flesh. The reason these people were so deceived is because they were so caught up in their physical world. Caught up. And today, this would be the person who gets up just in time for work. They rush to work. They get home exhausted. They sit down and they watch the news or Netflix or their favorite sitcom. They go to bed. They get up and they do it all over again. They do go to church most Sundays and hope that that's enough to make them a good person and let God know that they think about them at least, you know, once a week. The mud represents the flesh. When you get so caught up in this life, you don't prioritize God. Instead of seeking him first, you seek him occasionally when you have time for it. The mud represents the flesh. 
when you get so caught up in this life, and so you have this layer of mud over your eyes that keeps you from discerning the truth. And the water that he washed with represents the Word of God. When you wash yourself with the Word of God, you come back seeing. The Word of God washes away the cares of this life, and everything becomes clear, and you're like, oh, how did I not see that before? How did I believe that lie? How did I not know? Because it's so clear now. I can just, I see it. And that's what Jesus is inviting you to do today. Wash the mud off your eyes so that you can see. In other words, to follow Jesus, I must wash with God's word. And let me tell you what's going to happen if you decide to do this. You'll lose your desire to watch the movies and the TV shows that are destructive to your walk with God. And just you lose the desire. You're like, I don't even like that anymore. You'll find out that most of the news is about 20% truth, maybe 80% lies. Like you just, you just see it. You're like, what? You'll lose interest in the petty things of life and you'll desire God's will above all else. You'll know when it's, when you should say no to a good opportunity so that you can say yes to only what God wants you to do right now in this season of life. Washing with the water of God's word is going to enable you to see your God-given purpose with clarity. You're going to see, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I was made for this, right? You'll no longer be wandering around without purpose. You'll know God's assignment for you right now. I know exactly what it is. And Jesus is inviting you to wash the mud off your eyes so that you can see. So I'm going to give you a few moments right now to do that with Jesus. Just you and him, just close your eyes where you are. Get with him in prayer and just say, Jesus, I want you to wash the mud off my eyes so that I can see. share a dream with you guys that I had this past Monday night. You go ahead and keep that music going. I was in a big dining room, huge, and I had my back to the dining table and I was just kind of sitting in the corner working on my computer, doing my collaborate worship stuff and like all this stuff kind of transpired that has to do with the work that I do here at the church and on the blog. And, and then a bride and a groom walk into the room and it was actually Sam and Dylan in my dream. And, uh, they commanded the room because like that's what we were there for like we were there 
for their wedding and we were all excited to see them. Everyone was hugging and smiling and and then a tall, strong man walks in and he has overalls in and he approaches me and I realize it's my grandpa, Howard, who passed away about four years ago and he gives me the biggest hug. And then that part of my dream is over and it moves on into the next. And I was out hiking and I was enjoying it and I was I was passed by people who were running the other way, like they were running off really fast, kind of scared, and I didn't think anything of it. And then I started heading down this hill, and at the bottom of the hill, I saw somebody dead. And he was clearly a thief that deserved his outcome, and he was just kind of like laying in the ravine, and he was dead. And I look across on the other side, because it went right back up the hill on the other side, and there were just people walking the other, like they had just walked over the guy and didn't even notice him. And then I realized, I was like, oh my gosh, those people who were running the other way, this is what they were running away from. And so I ran away too, because I was afraid that people would think that I killed this man. And so I ran. And then I found myself at a house and it was, it was, it was kind of like a maze. I'd been there before though. So I already knew my way through it. So I wasn't scared. And when I walked into the house, so it was different. Like where there used to be two doors, there was one door and I walked through this door kind of like what's going to be on the other side and it was still something that I recognized I was like oh I've been here before and then I purposely went through a door that I hadn't been through before and I I went down into a basement I I didn't like the way that it felt down there and I didn't know what to do next so I turned around and I ran back up the stairs and almost as soon as I got to the top of the stairs someone slammed the door shut and they locked it while I was in the stairwell And really for the first time in my entire dream, I was scared out of my mind. I was frightened. And I looked to my left and there's kind of like these two slots in the wall, kind of like they went through the cabinets and into the kitchen. So I kicked myself up and I pushed my legs through to try to get out of there. And they tried to push me back through into the stairwell. And so I kicked them with all my might. Ah, Kick them. And that's when I woke up because I actually kicked in in the bed. Luckily, Beth wasn't close to me because I kicked hard. And she was awake though. She's like, are you okay? And after talking through this dream with Beth, this is like three or 4 a.m. in the morning, the Lord revealed what it meant. That I should not have turned around either time. I should have walked right past the dead thief without fear because God was with me. I should have forged a new path in the house. Even though it didn't look right, I should have kept going because God was with me. What this means is I'm at a point in my path where I'm going to encounter things that don't look good. But instead of running back to what I know, I'm to walk through them with confidence because God is with me. And the first part of the dream, the wedding, remember that? Like, what does that have to do with this dream? Well, that was the wedding feast in heaven Christ and his church and my earthly assignment was blended into that because it's not over yet and what God was showing me is that the wedding feast is near but your assignment's not over yet but I'm supposed to be about my assignment while looking forward to the wedding feast and you know the most incredible thing about the first part of that dream is when my grandpa came up and gave me a hug, it was almost like it was really him. It was the most present like part of my dream. Like his presence was just so, 
and he, he was taller than I remember him, and he was so healthy and so strong, and how I remember him, he was, he was overweight, and so he was always in his chair, and that, like, that's how I remember him in the flesh, but like, it's like he's in his glorified body, and it's like he really visited me in this, like I got a glimpse of heaven, like a taste of heaven, and maybe I did, I'll know one day. But I share that story with you to, because I believe there's other people in the room that are gonna connect with that, that you're walking into a new season of your life and it looks scary, it looks unpredictable. You don't really know that you like it <laughs> per se, but God is with you. He'll walk with you through it, amen. And Lord, we thank you so much, we love you. We look to you for our assignment. Lord, we wanna be about your business. We don't wanna be distracted one way or the other. We don't want to be doing good things that aren't the right things. We want to be doing you what you have for us right now. We want to be right in line with your will. So God, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives as it is in heaven, in this church as it is in heaven, in this nation as it is in heaven. God, we invite your kingdom. Lord, we ask you for each day that you give us our daily bread, that you give us the grace that we need, that you give us the mercy that we need, you give us the truth that we need to walk through each day with courage and with boldness and with purpose. Lord, I ask you to bless every person in this room with truth, Help them to so easily discern truth from lies. Like it's not even a question in their mind, they just know. Lord, keep us from deception. Keep us from harm, keep us from the enemy. And we know as we pursue you and your will, we will see, we will see truth and the truth will make us free. Hallelujah. God, we worship you. God, we honor you today. We elevate you because you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're glorious. You're mighty. You're awesome. I wish I had more better adjectives to describe you. But God, I just want you to know you're everything. You're the only one. I'm not looking at anybody else but you. about this um, partway through the service before you started talking about your dream. Back in February, during a service, uh, Dylan, our worship leader, there he is back there, um, he felt that God wanted to talk to some of us and at that time, he talked with me. I don't know how many other people he talked with, but yeah. Like I said, during the service, I was reminded of it, and I 
feel like I need to share it in conjunction with your dream. It's not a dream of my own, it's just something God talked with me about. And I'm not going to share all of this, because some of it's pretty personal, but what I'm comfortable sharing, he told me, stay strong, stand firm, things are about to change. And this is back in February, early February. I asked him, how do I prepare? And he told me, read my word every day. So I responded to him, all right, but I can't do it alone. I need your help. And he reminded me of another scripture. It says, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. wanted to remind you of that scripture as well. I forget where it is, but thank you, Mason. I don't want to rush this moment. Is there anybody else who got stirred on your heart? supposed to be doing this and I'm like man when I get up there am I going to remember everything well I asked God this morning I said well please help me with this because it's not about me but there's important things that need to be said and I can run a blank quick so I'm just going to run through this really quick and um, I found this uh, notebook in my stuff and it was pretty special to there's someone that came along in my life and they seen that I had a passion of Christ in me but I was so blinded speaking of and uh, in Revelation 3.18 it says basically in so many I'll read it so I don't add or take away from it um, it says I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see so I don't know about you but I've had a really bad burn and salve helps your burn third degree skin grow back can you imagine us having to get that far to have to have some salve on our eyes. But it's easy for your spirit to be broken without your family in Christ. We are not equipped as sheep to handle some of the stuff that's out there all by ourselves. So, I sure am glad I'm here with y'all. And slow to speak. Slow to speak. Dang it. I do that sometimes. I will say things really quick. And I sit there in our thing before the church. And I said, uh, I've only met one godly man. And I'm sorry to all of you. 
because I did not mean to say that any of y'all are less godly, okay? And I, it's really important because you can really hurt someone by the things we say. And I just say things sometimes and I'm like, dang it, if I could just say that a little slower. Yeah, that's a, a work in progress. Who would have thought I'd get all emotional? And in 1 Peter 2.16, it says, Live as free people, but do not use your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. So, yes, there's somebody that was going around that portrayed to be the man walking with the sinners that believed in God. But he was saying, I don't know if he meant it this way, but he was saying, um, uh, we all fall short of glory. We all sin. And all sin is the same. And this is... Okay, thank you. I'm right back on it. Okay. Because uh, I ponder whether people realize it or not. I remember a lot of what I read. And then I'll ponder and I'll ponder and I'll ponder. And I'm like, what's the message? You know, help me out here. It says in 1 Peter 4.3, it says, For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles. I'm not adding or taking away, but the macho man has got to go. Okay? That is the way of the world. The macho, macho man. And so, the macho man is a false manhood. That's all it is. And unfortunately, we all can be so impressionable. It's, it's called a propaganda. Come on with my propaganda. Okay? But the Bible says we have spent enough time in our past lives in doing the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, rivalries, drinking, parties, and abominable idolatries. Do you realize all of that is in the same scripture? Oh, but you did this, but you got drunk, but you did lewdness. Oh, but you, you uh, had drunken parties. You know, it's all in the same scripture. It's all the same. I didn't understand that. And I went through life and I did certain things, but I didn't know what was in this word. And I thought, there's somebody in my life that seemed like I just wanted to point the finger at that person for everything. And I want to say I am so, so sorry. I mean, the truth is the truth, okay? And if you have done something in your life and you have turned yourself to God, people are very quick. They are so quick to go, oh, yeah, you're just faking it. You're just doing that to hide behind what you did. Well, maybe not. Maybe, maybe that person felt so bad about what they did that they got some salve on their eyes and they wanted to turn their life around and I don't know why I'm shaking but I know this I never want to be a part of somebody not being accepted into repentance There are people that will say, well, as long as you don't get caught. Uh, My record's clean, but I know what you did. 
okay? So a record doesn't make you any less of a Christian than anything else. And, uh, wow, God really helped me today. Thank you. <laughs> so, you know the macho man thing, right? The macho man thing is, I love it that we're all talking about this. We're all one of mine, one accord, and we're all coming together for what matters to God. Uh, my, I had somebody that very dear to me in my life said, Summer, don't stop crying. And I was like, man, I agree with that. When I've been shamed so much about crying at times, but I agree with that because the people I know that don't cry, they have a hard heart. And it's like, it's like uh, uh, kicking a rock around. Thunk, thunk, thunk. And you're like, oh my gosh, is it alive? Because, you know, you're hoping that there's life in there. But I think that part of life is to cry. And when you are a man, a, a girl needs a man that cries, that has discernment. There, I had two men in my life. I had one choke me, and I had one punch me in my face. When they, but when they did that, these are two separate times. When that ha those things happened to me, I seen the fear in them. I thought to myself, man, you're not, what? You got hit in the face and you're gonna, and they're gonna lose their freaking freedom and their reputation. I mean, uh, a lose-lose. Well, maybe I should just forgive, you know? And I watched both of these men, two different colors, white, one was black. I just gotta put that in there. I love some color, okay? I'm a colorful person. And uh, one was white, one was black, and these are two totally different times of my life, okay? But I've seen contriteness in their, in their eyes, their spirit. I watched, and it's not like I was trying to change anybody, but I know that the forgiveness I gave them, it changed them. I didn't mean to. I just knew that I could not make two wrongs in the situation. It was bad enough. And uh, I don't know, that just kind of went off into there. But uh, we all tend to worry about what people think. And we're all propaganda. We all got to gang up against them. You know what they did? You know, and it's like, that's, no. Nah. No. God is a forgiving God. And we don't know sometimes the entire story behind it. If these men were raised by macho men, okay, one I know was army, no disrespect. But they were raised with that hard-heartedness, that will settle in their heart. And guess what? It's a trickle. It's either a trickle of living, breathing, loving, forgiving water, or it's a trickle of a whole bunch of dead rocks. Dunk, 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 dunk. And we all have a choice in what legacy we want to leave behind. And so if you're a man that cries, you are a real man. Amen. Thank you. She's piggybacking off of what we talked about in small group this morning, talking about 
men and men worshiping and stuff like that. Summer, I got a word from for you a few weeks ago. I never shared it with you, but it's just that um, you're you follow in the footsteps of Mary Magdalene. She had a rough, rough past, and she devoted her life to Christ and made a huge difference. And that's the path that you're walking. Like, yeah. I look forward and I see the um, the awesome things that you're that you're gonna do, and none of your past and none of it's gonna mean anything. You're just gonna use it for the glory of God. Exactly. Yep. Amen. Amen. God's good. All right, well, I don't like to let a service, I'll never let a service go by without inviting you to make Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're watching online or if you're here in this room and that's not something that you've done and today you're saying, I want to follow Jesus. Well, that's a decision you make in your heart. So you make that decision today and then you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus, I will follow you. I devote my life to you. And I love you. And it's that simple. You make that decision. So let me pray for you right now. God, we thank you for all those people who are deciding to follow you. And we thank you that you've, you've been chasing after them for all this time. And you are so excited that they chose to say yes. That now's the time that they enter into your kingdom and we celebrate with them. We thank you for the great party that's going on in heaven every time that somebody commits their life to you. We celebrate with them. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen, amen. And if you gave your life to Jesus today, uh, we want to walk that journey that's ahead with you, but we can't do that if we don't know. So we just ask that you tell us by sending us a text message at 918-373-9883. Amen. Now, here at No Limits, you guys know we're very intentional about reaching outside of our doors with local outreach and international missions. And we actually have a guideline that at least 10% of our income here needs to go outside of these doors to support others. We like to exceed this guideline though, because last year we actually sent 29% of our income outside these doors and it was a great time. And one of the ministries we support every month is in the Philippines. And Pastor Bonard there recently sent me some pictures of a kid's outreach that they had there where they fed the kids and they taught them about Jesus. So I just wanted to show you one of those pictures. So it looks like I can see about 20, 25 kids there. It's awesome. You guys are a part of this through your giving. And that is so cool to be able to give knowing that it not only supports what's going on here at No Limits, but it's supporting the gospel to be spread all around the world. If you're ready to give today and you're giving by cash or check, just raise your hand. One of our ushers will bring you an offering envelope. Or you can give online anytime by visiting nolimits.fyi. Tap the giving button there. It'll get you where you need to go. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thanks to those that give in to our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And if you were encouraged by this podcast, then hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening. Now let's go make a difference.